think it's notable. Um, I watched the uh, the Charlie Kaufman. Have you guys seen that yet? Oh I no, I yeah. haven't. Okay, do you like his stuff? I do. I like his stuff a lot. Um, I know there's been some sort of like anti Kaufman, mostly people not liking Synecdoche, New York, but oh, I I don't ooh, understand. Yeah, I don't understand so that fair. either. Like, um, I know that's a difficult film, but I I love that film. I don't think I've seen anything uh, like it for for a long time. So it's his best film, I think. His best directed yeah. film, I think. His best written film was adaptation. The way he uh, he did that. Um, you, Josh, are you a Kaufman fan? Yeah, I love I love Charlie Kaufman's work. Uh, I don't think there's a film of his that I haven't appreciated in some form or another. So I'm eager to watch this one i just haven't had a chance to yet um so i will be uh watching it at some point here in the next few weeks uh or so uh just depends on when i carve out the time for it uh, but yeah this is one that i i'm uh i'm really looking forward to so yeah i'll well secret I'll it's very it's excited, weird excited for it yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's surprise it's weird so carve out no, that time you <laughs> you'll need it it's it's a little long too not but like okay to to somebody that had never seen a Kaufman film before especially synecdoche it would probably seem like really long but you know if you can deal with synecdoche then um you're probably good because it's it's very is intriguing it, um, is it more accessible than synecdoche like i love synecdoche but that's it's a very out there film. Is it kind of along the lines even of something more like his Spike Jones stuff? I'm just going to say yes and no at the same time. Okay. So, okay. so, so okay. It, I like it. I would say if if you if you could get on the wavelength with Synecdoche, then it's accessible. Um so I'd say it's a little more accessible, but it's also a little weirder, if that makes sense. I, I think Synecdoche was just really high concept, like extraordinary very high concept. This this is too, but it's um is it more Animalisa level of concept? Maybe, but even weirder. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't want to give away the whole movie. Uh, there's some really just some great sequences. Uh, I, I I didn't love it, love it. Uh, Signetki is is pretty much the high water mark for for Coppin for me. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it's fun to have a new film that like we can all talk about, you know, rather yeah. than. I- I've been struggling with catching up with 2020 releases, honestly, since uh, the whole COVID thing happened. Like, I haven't seen um, The Five Bloods yet, and that's, oh, that's to watch. That. And, but it, I don't know. It's been, I don't know, tricky. I just kind of feel like movies are on hold this year. What are we all doing with new movies? Like, eh, I don't know. But I know that's that's not correct, obviously. There's yeah. new <laughs> movies on Netflix. But something about the experience of going to the theater and stuff is throwing me off. But I mean, when, when Mank comes out, like David Fincher is right. sort of like top shelf as they come for me. So I'm sure that's going to break everything. And then I'm going to be like, well, I have to see the rest of 2020 stuff <laughs> at some point. Yeah. yeah. When the Oscars, uh, you know, I, I figure there'll be some form of Oscars this year. So we'll end up binge watching. Um, yeah. Um, there's uh, some, and there's TIFF stuff coming out. So yeah, probably my ratio has been like, eight to two or four to one uh new versus or old versus new this year which it was i it's usually a little more of a balance but the thing is there's just so much you know you have a hundred years of cinema to draw from and now we have six months of stuff that is not the best stuff that's in the can so anyway let's talk sure. about or josh you want to say something well, i you know i've been trying to work a few of the 
the rentals in here and there and you know i'll talk about that in my pieces of flair but uh but that's actually been really fun for me is is getting the opportunity to see some of these films that might not have reached uh seattle or might have reached them in Mm -hmm. really limited releases they might have gotten a one-week run at one of the harder to get to uh, art house theaters in our area and uh, getting a chance to to see a lot of these uh, really the week they open uh, is has been really cool I've really enjoyed being able to uh, to get to see quite a few films that I wouldn't have been able to see otherwise yeah uh, Tiff did a or actually Tiff and New York Film Festival so I'm yeah. I got tickets to Nomadland and um, American Utopia so that's, yeah. those are two pretty high um high profile new films um but yeah still mostly old films so well let's uh let's talk criterion which is mostly old films but not not entirely (laughs) um and i guess we might as well start off with uh december so we had the december announcements and we're, we're never expecting a whole lot um i think this year was a little different because well well first off we had the clue uh from the late and great jason poland that ended at four box sets uh this year i mean it doesn't say the drawing didn't say this year but it was the the 2020 drawing so um but that was the only box set of the four of the four that he uh, drew that didn't come out one car Wai. and um and also there's memories of murder i thought it's a possibility but but yeah, it seems like there's usually just four films, and um, so I, I don't know about you, but I was not disappointed. I, my expectations were sufficient. Yeah. Is, do you share that? Yeah, I'm fine. I mean, it's been a huge year uh, for Criterion. The, for everyone else, it sucked, but for Criterion, <laughs> it's been pretty great. Um, so if if taking December off just means you know those four releases and two of them are uh, you know Blu-ray re-releases i don't know that's fine i think they deserve um they deserve a you know a light a month yeah and this is this is par for the course for december right yeah. i this is you know a a light month i think it's probably a little lighter than most decembers uh by giving us two upgrades mm-hmm. you know that that totally makes sense for what they're doing right now and i mean come on we have three pretty massive box sets that were released this year four if you include the uh the the uh, wcp uh, box oh, set I, I five should, if you yeah. in, five if you include the carl zeman box set as well i mean yeah. you know six, six if you include yeah. the romer upgrade yeah. i mean this has been a, a year where they have really leaned heavily into their box sets so uh, you know, it's okay. We can take a we our wallets can take a break this month, and uh, you know, this is a these are not bad titles. These are good titles. I'm glad we're uh, moving uh, Symbiopsychotaxoplasm to the top of the list after the uh, New York Times article, and we're getting a Blu-ray upgrade of the William Greaves mm-hmm. uh, film. You know, I think it, it all makes sense to me. I think it's it's. You know, this is not going to be. December is never going to be a ten out of ten month, and it's never going to mm-hmm. be the month that people are most excited for. But that's uh, fine, right? 
Yeah, I'll take it. And, and put a bookmark in the black films because we are going to talk about that. Of course, when we get to um, get to some of these selections, we'll talk about it again. Uh, but, but we're going to uh, discuss that uh, New York Times article. Um, and it, actually, Josh, it's three upgrades um, because I think we forget about Crash. Uh, yeah, that's true. It was a Laserdisc title, too. So so we'll start with the beginning of the month and uh, David Cronenberg's Crash, uh, not the other one that uh, that some people don't like, um, that won an Oscar or a couple. This is uh, this is, I, I haven't seen this. I actually this is one of those that I've been waiting for, um, and and woe, oh woe was me! I already pre-ordered the 4K from Arrow, so uh, they announced that what last month, and I probably was not thinking, but I think I'm going to keep my pre-order, but. Um, looks like uh, mostly a straight port from what they had. Uh, there's the new res- restoration, so that's um, you know, speaking of Arrow, there's uh, less here than Arrow, uh, but the restoration is 4K, but the disc is not. I, I know there's all- often some conversations about UHD, and uh, and and maybe Criterion will get there someday. I, who knows? But uh, th- this was not the opportunity, so. Um, so curious what you guys think. So let's just go in alphabetical order, and uh, we'll start with Mr. Brad. What do you think of uh, what's your crash? Yo yo, um, I love this movie. Um, I saw it at the TIFF Lightbox actually two maybe two years ago um, with uh, Viggo Mortensen and uh, special guest David Cronenberg in attendance. Um, so that it was the second time I'd seen it. The first time I'd seen it, I was like really young and didn't really remember it but that this was the first time i saw it on the big screen i don't think it was that new restoration but it still looked incredible and um yeah it was a great experience i love this movie uh it's weird it's kind of plotless um but uh, if you can get on its vibe it's it really takes you places um sounds so like I'm, the charlie kaufman <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm excited for this. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not region free, so I, I'm not able to get the uh, the Arrow release. So I'm down for this. And the extras on here are new for me. I know that uh, they were on previous releases, mm-hmm. but um, I haven't listened to. And it's his commentary, so we get the director's commentary. So yeah, I'm excited for this. Yeah, Josh, have you seen it? Yeah, I saw it back when I was in college. Uh, this came out while I was in college and I was just beginning to get into independent and art house cinema. Uh, I didn't quite know what to make of it. I knew it was an important film, um, but I haven't seen it since. And uh, this is one that I know really is going to demand multiple viewings. So I'm really eager to rewatch. I think this is one of Cronenberg's more thoughtful films and more, uh, I think it's that that transition film between the straight body horror and into uh, some of the the more interior films that he was doing later, and so I think this is uh, a really pivotal work from him, and uh, I'm really eager to uh, dig into it and uh, explore it a little bit more. Uh, and I think this is a this is a great release. Uh, you know, I'm glad that they have ported over the supplements from the Laserdisc. Um, you know, uh, I am region free, but I am also not uh, UHD. I don't have mm. 4K, you know, I have a 
for me, going 4K would mean uh, getting a 4K projector. It would mean getting a 4K region-free player. It would also mean upgrading the uh, the uh, receiver that I used so that it could handle the 4K signal. So it would mean a complete overhaul of the entire system. So right now, until uh, there's a pressing need to, to switch over my equipment, um, I'm really content with what I have. I like I like the setup. It's pretty good, um, and uh, uh, you know the 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 difference in quality is not enough to really push me in the next the next step yet. And uh, uh, so I you know I I understand why Criterion hasn't made that leap yet, um, and you know I. I know that they will make that leap when they feel like it's financially viable for them, just like they made that leap into Blu-ray when it was financially viable for them to do that. And uh, so, you know, for me, this is... Uh, I feel like the people that complain constantly about uh, the 4K discs are... Uh, it, it gets a little tiresome, yeah, honestly. That, that, gets... I saw somebody post a video of... Uh... Uh, you know, listing all the 4K movies that uh, Criterion's missing out on, and you know, it had like I don't know, like, I, I want to say Top Gun, but it wasn't Top Gun, but stuff, some stuff in that, yeah. in that, yeah, um, yeah. I I just feel like that that conversation is really boring, mm, and it's it's not it's not worth the 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 time to to do it. the the if you really want to get the 4K version, go get the 4K version somewhere else. It's region-free. You know, 4K is by itself right. a region-free format. Go get the 4K disc. God bless you. In, <laughs> enjoy it. Um, but, you know, Criterion had a lot of trouble with dual format. I would much rather them continue to put their their efforts into the releases that they can right now so that uh, they remain viable and producing the the work that they're able to produce right now and agreed good, good point about uh the 4k being universal so i i don't know they don't really even say regions on this um on i'm just looking at the arrow website so this might be the rare case where if you do have a 4k player or maybe even if you well you have to have a player maybe not uh, the overhaul of your uh, your home theater system as you described josh but so the Criterion has Cronenberg and some of, and I think the Can, um, the Can featurette, that sort of thing. But the Arrow has a, a new new commentary with uh, film scholar Adrian Martin, and it has a lot of new inter- interviews with people that were involved with the film. Um, and maybe maybe there's a little bit of co- uh, overlap. I see some some old interviews, so and an old behind the scenes. So. Is it- uh, does it have Cronenberg's commentary? It does not have Cronenberg's commentary. So that's um, that's a, a big one. Yeah. So I I think they both have behind the scenes and the press interviews. So that's probably the same. But uh, there's still a little more with uh, with the UHD. So what I'm going to do, uh, and by the way, I like the cover. I haven't since I haven't seen the film, I don't know what it means. But I I bought I've already ordered the 4K. So I'm I think I'll just watch that one, and then I'll someday watch uh, Cronenberg's commentary. Uh, maybe. Maybe Martin's as well. So, what do you guys think of the cover? Oh, I love that cover. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and it's um, per- sex perfectly a car, and it perfectly uh, encapsulates the film's like themes of its blending of uh, you know twisted metal and and twisted naked bodies. That's 
that's in the the film just summarized in one image interesting well okay i guess i'll i'll see it finally for the first time uh so as josh mentioned uh december 8th we're getting a hold, let me take a breath here Sympio-psychotaxoplasm, two takes by William Greaves. So I've seen the first take, uh, which I think is really fascinating. Um, kind of an experiment uh, in the, uh, the park, in Central Park. Well, partly in Central Park, not entirely. Um, haven't seen take two and a half, uh, which was in 2005. Uh, as you noted, Josh, this might be I mean, I wouldn't say it's a reaction to the New York Times. I figured this had to be in some sort of, uh, uh, you know, level of production. I don't think they're capable of just, you know, having an article come out and three weeks later pressing that upgrade button. Or, you know, maybe they can. I don't know. But it is good to see um, see a, a black director in the um, in the main Blu-ray collection, which I think is that's pretty much what people are are buying now. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, I dig this. Uh, what, what do you think, Brad? I've seen, I saw this film a long, long, long time ago, and it completely dumbfounded me. I, I did not know what to take away from it. Um, but I was young, so I really am looking forward to revisiting this now that I'm older and hopefully smarter um, <laughs> to see uh, if I can get a, a new perspective on on it. Um, yeah, this is exciting that they're putting this on Blu-ray. Yeah, Josh. Yeah, this is one that I have not watched yet, and uh, the I have it sitting on my shelf on DVD, and uh, am going to be eager to dive in once I have the Blu-ray now in a couple months, and I'm really, really excited for this. I love these ex- uh, these approaches to documentary, this kind of creative nonfiction where you take a a theme or an idea and you just kind of explore it in some really unique ways and anytime you can kind of explode the documentary format and uh, play with it in these different ways uh, I find that to be really fascinating and those are sometimes some of my favorite uh, film experiences so this is this is what I'm really excited to to really dig into the disc dig into the the sequel feature and to really look at all the supplements as well. Uh, I know that um, uh, Steven Soderbergh, Steve Buscemi were highly involved in the sequel and uh, I'll be really curious to hear some of their thoughts. I know they're all over the some of the featurettes as well. Um, so yeah, this is uh, going to be really, really fun. I agree. And uh, would you say that uh, take two and a half, which interesting, two and a half, you know, one to two and a half. Um, yeah. Is is that? Uh, do you think that? Have you guys seen that? Does it keep the spirit of the original for the most part? Or you know, I haven't seen it, but uh, from what I know, uh, it is more of the the same. <laughs> yeah. Okay, more of the same. So, all right. Well, we have more of the same. Well, not in fact, it's far from the same compared to yeah. really every other film. Um, yeah. spe- speaking of not really much like the same, uh, we have uh, Robert Bresson uh, making his, uh, well, I guess you could say his return to the collection, um, return back to blue in the collection. So we have uh, Mouchette, which is uh, Spine, uh, what is it, Spine um, uh, 363. 363. Thank you. <laughs> we both came, found it at the same time. 
Um, this is one of the first brassons I saw, and I, I was blown away. And this was like a watershed uh, brasson for me. Um, I, I think I first saw Balthazar, which is um, n- probably not the best entry point for for his work, but um, but it's been a while, so I can't uh, wait to revisit. And obviously, this is a, the perfect opportunity. Um, and Brad, I know you're the the, the token Toronto <laughs> guest, <laughs> but um, near in your area, you have the the Brisson like expert. Um, uh, what's his name? I do. You do. I, I don't think he's on this disc, uh, but he's been on others. Um, I'm going to look it up. I can't believe I forgot his name. So I guess you, you obviously don't know him, but uh, but you do. He he hangs out at TIFF. Um, I'll look that up while while I ask you how what you think of Mouchette. Um, I've never seen this Brisson. Um, I have a hard time warming up to Brisson. I'm going to be honest. Um, I like um Bath of Balthazar. Um, but um, Lancelot, Lancelot de Locke and um, Diary of a Country Priest are the only other ones I've seen and I just they kind of left me cold so I, I don't know it's been a while since I tried um, a Brisson so um, um, I might take the take the risk again I, th- I think this is a safe one now I love Lan- Lancelot de Locke, de Locke. Um, I, and I I'm surprised that Balthazar was the easy one for you, but uh, but yeah, Mouchette. Uh, well, what do you think, Josh? Uh, I haven't seen Mouchette. That's one of the ones I have not seen. I've been slowly working my way through Brisson and trying to savor his work. Mm. Uh, Balthazar was the first of the films that I saw as well. Uh, that was one I actually saw in the theater uh, when the restoration first came out, and it just stunned me. It blew me away i was in tears it uh i just it it just kind of shook me to the core um and uh it just i found it to be absolutely magnificent um so you know that was that was one that i just i i really really connected with um and i've seen pickpocket and i've seen l'argent uh Oh, I've seen Pickpocket, too. Yeah, and I liked Pickpocket a lot, and I liked L'Argent. Those were ones that didn't connect with me quite as much as uh, Balthazar. Um, But, you know, every every film is just a little different, and so I'm eager to just continue to kind of work my way slowly through his filmography, because I think he's just a filmmaker that uh, his style uh, and what he does with uh, non-actors or non-traditional actors yeah. uh, is is really, really unique. And uh, sometimes it works really well. Sometimes it uh, is a little more of a miss for me, but it still is interesting and it still is unique and it still has uh, so much power and so much... Um, there's so much... Um, there's still something really transcendent about that. Um, even in something that maybe doesn't work quite as well, uh, I, I still find something really beautiful in, in how he shapes it. So, uh, so yeah, I'm eager to get more of his work on Blu-ray uh, to get it in the best possible quality uh, uh, to to throw up on my screen. To throw up on your screen, I, I think that's yeah. what um, what Brad did when he watched. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I I agree. I think he's a master, and so I, I'm really in the tank for for anything Brisson does. I've so far I've not yet disliked a film. Um, 
and in fact, pickpocket. Uh, I haven't seen Diary of a Country Priest, so that's uh, that's the lone holdout. I, well, I'm, there might be a couple others, um, but um, and pickpocket I think is beautiful. Largent is beautiful. That's the most recent, of course. So, um, so yeah, I, I think I would. Mouchette is and Brad, you said uh, that he leaves you cold, and that's I think that's his style. You know, he he has that. That uh, detached uh, sensibility, and uh, and that's part of uh, you know, as Josh, you mentioned the way he works with non-actors and um, and getting and really, I guess, driving their performance to what he wants, and 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 he, it exudes that coldness. And by the way, James Quant is the name of the um, scholar in Toronto. So look him up, Brad. Uh, although nowadays, now I don't, I don't think you can really hang out. So more uh, Brassongo criterion. And uh, we're also getting a little more uh, Inaritu. Is this the first Inaritu? I believe it is. Yeah, yeah. it is. So there's uh, hope for Birdman yet, but um, but Amoros Peros is um, so I think of, of everything in this month. Uh, it's pro- this is probably going to be the most controversial. Um, I, I think symbi- uh, Psychotaxoplasm is probably the less known of the, of the group this is this may be among the best known um, I, I will warn everybody that there's a little, little animal violence mm-hmm. but um, but yeah uh, what do you think uh, Brad um <laughs> I've seen a lot of inner Uto films and I have not liked a single one of them so um, I think I'm going to pass on this one. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> That's fair. No, no, you're not the only only one. I, I think this could be... We found that The Irishman was pretty divisive in Marriage Story. Um, you know, not that this, this is 20 years old, but I think recent by Criterion standards. And um, and I, I've seen it some divisiveness, so I think it's fine. Although I, 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 I there's a lot of... There's a couple uh, Inaritus that I like, but... Um, what about you, Josh? Yeah, you know, I like a handful of Inuritu's films. Uh, I think that his more recent output I have been less enthralled by. Um, and, uh, you know, it, retrospectively, I don't know how I'm going to feel about Amoris Peros. I'll be interested to revisit it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really liked 21 Grams, and I really liked Babel. Those are two that I really connected with when I saw them in their first runs in theaters. Uh, but I don't know. I, you know, I, I saw Amoris Peros after I had seen those two films and I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, a really intriguing film and I, I thought it was uh, fascinating. I haven't seen it in not quite two decades, but <laughs> it's been a long time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to revisit the film and see, see how it is, especially considering for me his last two films didn't really work for me um they felt me neither they felt really much uh substance yeah um and and i have a lot of like really serious problems with birdman not just on a style i mean the, the style is what it is but i have some some philosophical problems with birdman uh, that uh, I won't get into here, <laughs> but uh, but I have I have some serious problems with uh, um, some of the baked in. Um, I'll just say I, I have some serious problems with some of the baked in misogyny in uh, in Birdman. Interesting. That, okay. Uh, that 
is just kind of undergirds a lot of the the narrative and the way that uh, the women are treated and the and a lot of the the, the approaches that uh, the film takes and and it, it, so it, it's going to be interesting for me to revisit some of his earlier work and and see um, see some of those threads and see how some of that uh, plays itself out in other works. Um, I, you know, I, I think that of of his work, this is probably the the one that uh, makes the most sense to bring into the collection. I think he's an important filmmaker, even if I don't connect with everything that he does. I think that, um, you know, the the collection is not about um, it's not about bringing in only films by filmmakers that I love everything that they do. Yeah, right that's fair it's 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 about trying to do a representative sampling of things and um that's why sometimes you know the the things that they you know the choices that they make um might baffle us sometimes um but i i think that this uh this makes sense uh from that standpoint uh in is an important filmmaker this is also one that's going to sell a lot of copies yeah and will um, help fund symbiopsychotaxoplasm. It will help. <laughs> it will help fund the more experimental cop, uh, uh, titles out there, um, and I. It just it. It's a no-brainer if they can get the rights to it and to start working with someone like Inuritu. Uh They're going to be able to potentially release some of his other films. I mean, Twenty One Grams. I don't know how. I don't think that film has a good release. And you know, I I actually really liked that film when it first came out. We'll see if that gets a uh, if that could have a release. Um, I I think it could. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, it's devastating that that, that film. I, I so I, yeah. I I put that one. Um, Babel's okay. Uh, kind of works with the multiple stories. Um, yeah, and uh, and Amorous Paris has some of that as well. So. Yeah, you kind of see the origins of his work. I, I, I you made made me want to revisit Birdman um, just to see what you saw, but um, but I'm kind of not in the mood for that at the moment. <laughs> but, uh, but I think Twenty One Grams would, would be a great fit. But yeah. but yeah, you're right. This is going to be the um, the the marquee release. And and if you look at the su- supplements, I mean, basically they're, they're they've gone all out for uh, for this disc. So uh, they there's a lot of Inuritu. There's actually uh, Pal uh, from um, uh, who's also been on the collection for Cold War, and of course Ida was uh, also a, a renowned film from him, and and, and more. There's uh, interviews, a documentary, a new documentary, which uh, which is inter- sounds interesting, and um, yeah, uh, a new film essay. So lots, and, and also music videos from from the film soundtrack. So uh, if you want to see the Control Machete video, well then there you go. So yeah, I'll I'll have an open mind. I, the dogs, I have trouble with that. But uh, uh, so if you love dogs and have trouble seeing them, um, well, it's it's dog biting. It's it's in the synopsis. There's dog biting. So if you have trouble with that, then I would just I would take a pass like Brad did. Um, but otherwise, um, might be interesting. And yeah, it might it might lead to some more. So that's the that's the the December slate. So I, I'd say it's decent. Um, However, as we already noted, uh, Wong Kar Wai was not included, and frankly, you know, I, I think I had a, a little bit of hope that maybe they would round it out with this, this massive box set year, 
And, you know, what's one more? <laughs> uh, just before Christmas, you know, here, here's one car why, kids. But, but no, uh, I think, but they are going to release that, um, or the theatrical release will be, if I remember, it's December 4th. So the, uh, the window between theatrical versus uh, disc releases, I, I, I really have no idea if that's going to expand going to close because I just you know as long as COVID's around I don't see films playing on theaters for too long and then also Memories of Murder uh, by um, by uh, Bong it's going to be uh, playing in, in theaters in a couple weeks actually I, or, uh, I think it's uh, late October actually so maybe close to a month um, and that's also one that's um, that I think could be a big release or would be a big release I mean he's um, he's super popular now um, on the heels of Parasite so I don't know. You guys have any opinions on either of those two, or just the uh, the whole, you know, the theatrical run nowadays? Um, I mean, it's pretty dire, uh, and I think maybe even more so for old films, um, especially since you know some of the Wong Kar Wai films already have uh, previous releases um, that uh, sort of ask people to go out into the theater. Um, to put themselves at risk uh, when there is already, you know, a release of something that they could probably um, maybe have at home or still be able to get at home. It's kind of dicey. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I think before we started recording, I was talking about, you know, my wife and I have talked about the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm not planning on going back to theaters probably until the end of next year that just is mm-hmm. what what the most disease experts and virologists are talking about uh, the timeline looks like for things getting back to actually getting back to normal um, so I, I just don't I don't see either of these being really really viable um, and you know as we saw with as we've seen with tenants uh, kind of lackluster grosses um, I just I don't know that that any kind of a in-person retrospective is going to really work I know. very well. I know, uh, and yeah, I just I, you know I think we keep we keep seeing studios uh, or distributors kind of pushing back the dates, and. Uh, uh, yeah, I just I think that that even pushing stuff back to December uh, is not you know what are the likelihood of that act that actually happening considering right. December is going to be right in the middle of flu season, right in the middle of second wave. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, hopefully not, but yeah, it's you know that's the the, the models for saying that. So yeah, I just I don't I don't I don't expect these dates to really be able to hold. Mm-hmm. So, um, I you know I'm a pessimist when it comes to all of this since I've been dealing with this since the very beginning. You know, we out in Seattle we had the first recorded cases. You know, and uh, we've been in some form of lockdown for a long time. And I remember, I, I mean, yeah. I, we were talked right about that time. Yeah. Uh, I think we yeah. did a show right about that time. I so. Think so, yeah. So I just, I, I tend to be pr- 
pretty skeptical about the the viability of this and uh yeah i just i i think if you're gonna do these restorations and stuff find a way to mm-hmm. maybe do it digitally uh to do a, a video on demand release i think um uh, there are some other other ways to do this um yeah and, it's yeah. the Criterion Channel, you know, it's almost their model is reverse. So they they do the the video on demand after the physical release generally. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I don't I don't think they're high, they have high expectations for uh, yeah. this this theatrical release. I think they're just you know it's a an event and, and it does yep. generate some some buzz about what will eventually be an upcoming disc release. Yeah. So it get talked about. We're talking about it. So yeah. Um, yeah, so, and yeah. I, I have a, I have a feeling it'll, you know, I think film at Lincoln Center is at least they've got some good, you know, they I know they've been doing some drive drive in stuff for the New York Film Festival, and you mm-hmm. know they've been mainly doing uh, outdoor screenings uh, for uh, for the New York Film Festival. So I have a feeling they're going to find some ways around it. Uh, to make that happen. I'm sorry, but I do not want to drive through for In the Mood for Love. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. 2046. I I've seen 2046. <laughs> you know, I have Chunking Express. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Ashes of Time is on Mubi. Um, I'm good for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have a lot at our disposal. So, well, just to pivot to um, a, a, another big topic in the, the Criterion, I guess, community. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about black films. Uh, it was prompted by the New York Times article, which has probably been about a month now since that came out, uh, maybe a little longer even. And, and I, I personally, I thought they made a lot of good points. Don't really want to dwell on that. I mean, I, I think that we had a lot of, I'm not YouTube, but just the community in general had a lot of conversations online, and some of them got ugly. So <laughs> I don't know if you agree, but I, I don't really want to talk about the merits of the article. But I, it, it did make me think, and I do like that there is a, a more intentional approach towards curation, and that Criterion has acknowledged this blind spot and uh, and is going to program some black films. So I, I thought it would be fun if we just, the three of us, talked about some black films and black filmmakers uh, that uh, that we think would, would be, uh, I guess, uh, I hate to use the word belong, but <laughs> because, you know, that's all subjective, but uh, appropriate for the collection, something we would like to see. So... Um, if you don't mind, we just go around the room and we can just kind of react to those, if that's okay. Brad, you want to start? Yeah, when um, when you first uh, um, suggested this uh, section of our cast today, um, I kind of thought of like a watermelon twofer. Um, so uh, two films, uh, The Watermelon Man, which is by uh, Melvin Van Peebles. Now, he uh, made a film uh, most famous for Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, um, which was a Criterion Laserdisc in the collection. Um, it's a great film. Um, it is, yeah. Absolutely amazing. Um, and Vinegar Syndrome has a great Blu-ray of it now. Um, but his first film is uh, The Watermelon Man. And I have not actually seen this film, but I have always wanted to. Um, it was released. Uh, Indicator did a region-locked release over there in the U.K., um, but it uh, does not have a good release uh, here in North America. Um, so I think uh, uh, this would be fantastic. Um, Criterion has had a relationship with Van Peebles in the past, and um, I think it's a perfect time to uh, release his first film, The Watermelon Man. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, go oh, ahead. I was just going to say that um, uh, it just so happens that Josh had Martin Kessler on his podcast, and he's uh, been on our shows and lobbied for a story of a three-day pass by Ben Peoples. So, um, so that might be another another option there. But yeah, yeah. you're right. Rights are complicated, and so we're not going to get sweet uh, sweet back. But um, but please continue. Um, and the second watermelon film is uh, the Watermelon Woman. By uh, Cheryl Dunye, I think I'm. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and she, her, a bunch of her films are on uh, the Criterion Channel right now, including this one. Um, and it's uh, the first uh, feature-length film ever made by a black lesbian, if I remember correctly. Um, but it's a, a fascinating. I have seen this one, and it's a fascinating um, examination, kind of part documentary, part drama part revisionist history where um Danye plays a version of herself trying to uh find out in film history about this actress who played sort of um early mammy roles um in the silent years um that was only only she only knows her as the watermelon woman um so it's it has a it has a very like 90s feel to it it's very hilarious um and i it's on the channel now um so if you have the channel pull it up it's great um but it also um deserves a spine number yeah no i i haven't seen either so um and josh you're you're our resident criterion channel expert so well maybe hutchins (laughs) hutchins is tough to beat (laughs) Uh, yeah, Hutchins is tough to beat, but I will uh, I will say that uh, after you know Brad recommended this film on uh, an episode of my show, and uh, I did watch it. My wife and I were looking for a uh, a movie to watch on date night, and we watched The Watermelon Woman, and it is absolutely fantastic. It's really really charming. Um, it's definitely very nineties. Uh, there's there's no getting around that and the earnestness of the performances, but it is it is fantastic um, and uh, really sharp, really insightful. The way that uh, Cheryl Dunn uh, really approaches gender and uh, orientation and uh, race and explores all of those things in this uh, this kind of mockumentary format is hmm. just outstanding and uh, I, I cannot recommend it highly enough and if if there was a way for Criterion to get the rights to that film I think it would be uh, incredible um, I also want to recommend uh, one of her uh, later films that's on the channel The Owls uh, which is kind of a thriller which also plays again with all of these levels of metafiction and she still plays with a lot of these same themes she uses a lot of these same stylistic choices so she still is using uh, the documentary format to uh, interrogate the nature of storytelling and to play with our perceptions to play with our ideas of narrative and I, it's it's she's just masterful at what she does uh and uh, i think that um getting more of her work into the collection would be really really fantastic and uh, i think that um even some of this later work uh could be really really uh really incredible as well maybe a box set yeah yeah 
Um, and I just wanted to add, she um, she's directing uh, Lovecraft Country. Yeah. Um, she just directed uh, the last episode on Sunday night, so it's great to see her that great to see her keep working. Yeah, yeah. I've meant to watch that. Uh, I, actually, it's been on my my, my queue, but um, I've heard great things, and I, I will get around to it. Uh, Josh, do you have some some picks for black filmmakers? Black yeah, films, I should you know, say. There are there are so many really great options and I tried to choose some things that maybe don't have great releases or uh, are are potential films that Criterion has relationship with the either the filmmaker or with uh, the studio um, Hollywood Shuffle has appeared on the Criterion channel multiple times uh, over the last since really since the channel launched and uh, it is a really sharp parody of uh of Hollywood and of what it takes as a black actor to make it in Hollywood and uh, the ways in which most black actors have to succumb to stereotypes in order to uh, in order to have any kind of stability and it's such a great uh, look at the way the system works and uh it's uh, it's really funny. It's essentially a series of sketches, but they're loosely threaded together with this uh, overarching narrative about what does it take to to make it. Are you selling out if you take these roles that feed into stereotypes? Um, I just I think it is a, a really sharp comedy that um, would be great. Uh, you know, uh, Criterion doesn't have a whole lot of more modern comedies uh, in the collection, and I think it would be a really good represent uh, a really good uh, piece of the that representative puzzle there. Um, so I think that could be really good. Uh, Carl Franken, Franklin's uh, Devil in a Blue Dress, uh, a great noir with starring Denzel Washington. Mm, yeah, I think would be also a really really uh, fantastic. Uh, piece i don't think that's gotten a really solid blu-ray release actually and... uh, it was a twilight time but a twilight time okay and, and it was a good one i have it actually but okay. those went out of print and we've seen those come back uh, at criterion and other label labels so i think it can always be better so yeah but it's yeah a good i would one. love good call. To, i would love to see that that come in um i just think it's uh it's a really great film and uh, and I just I think if we could get that in that would be a really a really solid uh, release there uh, Burning Cane is one that I saw at uh, last year's uh, Seattle International Film Festival it is uh, directed by Philip Yeomans and it was his directorial debut he directed it when he was 17 um, there is a, a kind of a loose um, kind of meditative lyric quality to the film. It is the story of uh, uh, a woman who is trying to um, uh, to mend the relationship between her son and uh, also working with the 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 working in with this relationship with an alcoholic pastor of her local church. It's looking at 
cycles of violence, cycles of um, abuse um, and vice. Uh, it's just haunting and beautiful and so powerful. Uh, again, you wouldn't think that a 17-year-old would have directed this film. It's so uh, incredible, so accomplished, so mature uh, as a work that this this young filmmaking team put this together um it's uh it's an incredible film that i think um deserves uh, to be seen more uh i checked just recently and i believe it is now streaming on netflix um hmm. so uh i think that uh it has has some just some slight distribution by array releasing so there's a potential there's some some potential for um for uh criterion to work with netflix work with array to be able to release this film it's a short film uh 76 minutes i believe 77 minutes um and uh yeah it's uh it's really really uh just haunting uh, to watch um, I uh, also just want to highlight the the work of two uh, black female filmmakers uh, Clemency uh, was uh, another one that I saw at last year's Seattle International Film Festival it stars Alfre Woodard uh, as the warden of a prison uh, that has a death row and she gives a searing performance. Uh, it's really incredible. Um, and uh, it's it's just gut-wrenching as she is uh, reevaluating her time uh, watching other, uh, watching black men die and kind of overseeing that. Um, it's, it's just incredible. And Eve's Bayou, um, I think is uh, one that has not had a, a good release. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. Um, Cassie Lemons, uh, it's great. Uh, Clemency was released by Neon, I believe, and again, Criterion has a good relationship with Neon. Uh, Eve's Bayou, that's going to be a harder one. I know that um, it's uh, part of the Miramax uh, tangle of mm -hmm. uh, rights. Good film, but. Though. It's yeah, it's it's so stunning. I watched it again recently for an episode of my podcast, and uh, it's so beautiful. It's so uh, it's just it's an incredible film that I think needs a higher profile than it has now. Uh, it's been lost in that '90s um, that '90s transition period between VHS and DVD, and uh, just does not get the due it deserves. Yeah, I think, Ebert, I, I think I saw Ebert that was on, a huge proponent of that film. Yeah. Who? Oh, Eber. Yeah. yeah, I saw it on yeah. Netflix disc. Of the, that uh, brings you back a little bit. Yeah. Well, and those are great selections, and uh, I, yeah, I, I love them. Um, uh, well, you know, one thing that as you both were talking, I would love to see a Mark Cousins do a uh, a black mm. film, uh, black stories. You know, I I, yeah. I, know I I did a video and I mentioned like George Washington. So you know, it's not always black filmmakers, but. Um, but again, black people on film, Paul Robeson, just because the history towards black and female filmmakers has not been that great, but there's some great work out there. Um, but so I, well, I, I have a few, and I'll, I'll go a little quickly on mine. Uh, 
first off, I, the, the low-hanging fruit are the Laserdisc upgrades, and there are some that are a little more mainstream, uh, or might appear to be a little more mainstream. So there's Dead Presidents, uh, Menace to Society, and Boys in the Hood. And I, there might be more that I'm, I'm forgetting, but I believe those are the, the prominent uh, black filmmaker um, uh, Laserdisc titles. So, you know, if they have a relationship, have some, some supplements maybe. Also, I didn't write this down or note this, but uh, John Singleton, I, there was there was some backlash for his later work in the 90s. I remember uh, Poetic Justice and Higher Learning. And I think uh, some of the, the, the critiques I saw were that they were a little overwrought or a little heavy-handed. But, you know, in hindsight, I kind of might, you know, but might be interested in revisiting that uh, with, uh, yeah. you know, it's been 25 years or if not more for, for some of those. And I think the world's changed. So maybe Rosewood that was one. Rosewood, yeah. Oh, Rosewood yeah. Was a, is a really good one. I like that one a lot. Um, I put Spike Lee Passing Strange, um, and I'm, I'm going to say that Defy Bloods as well. <laughs> now that uh, <laughs> that uh, since Brad hasn't seen it, uh, Passing <laughs> Strange is a it's film theater. It's kind of like what what Hamilton was on Disney Plus recently, uh, yeah. but it's really good. Uh, there's you know anything Spike Lee that's available. I think they would make an attempt to put on out. Um, actually, School Days. I, I don't know who if anybody's put that out. Um, but as far as recent films, the one that moved me a lot was Hale County, This Morning, This Evening, which yeah. was a documentary, I believe, yeah, it got nominated, for, I think it was nominated for documentary a year or two ago, um, and it's um, by a, a another young filmmaker, uh, Ramel Ross, I believe was his name, I, I could have that wrong, um, very, it's, and it, that's a great, a great documentary, documentary that really captures the black community, from his perspective and and you can kind of see through his eyes that it's uh you know you can see his experience in, in through what he captures and just really a remarkable film uh, would love and to I, see that i think i think he has a, a video or a talk or something on the criterion channel if i remember correctly you're right they interviewed they interviewed him for something you're right and and maybe that it's in the works maybe that's uh but if not then that uh if they're not working on that then that's a reflection i think on, on that or more evidence towards that blind spot, um, and and finally, I, I put Twelve Years a Slave because uh, it's I think it's a strong film. McQueen's already in, in the collection, so I think it perhaps could could get done. I think it also um, I think there could be some interesting supplements, uh, maybe some historical context um, of the the book and the and the actual experiences, and um, and finally, uh, uh, not a not American black films. I, I think. I don't think we should be restrictive of those, but um, I, I put uh, more Usman Semben. So we have uh, Black Girl, which is fantastic, but there's plenty more where that came from. So yeah. Mulade yeah. and Emetai are the two other films I've seen of his, and they're both equally fantastic. Yeah, Zala is a great one as well. Uh, a really great uh, portrayal of post-colonialism, a really a harsh portrayal of post-colonialism. So you can't really portray that from the outside. Uh, so yeah, it, he was a scathing filmmaker, I, I, and I think that's a message that needs to be seen. So, so yeah, but not but, also with a sense of humor, which which is really yeah. good too. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, lots of um, lots of um, options. And Brad, you you had I think one more, right? 
Yeah, I just read, remembered. I um, there is news that uh, Welcome to the Terror Dome, uh, which is a uh, British filmmaker. Um, I had Gozi Anwara. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I apologize if I'm not. Um, but it has there was a Guardian article that mentioned uh, her film is Welcome to the Terror Dome is coming to the Criterion Collection. You do never never have to apologize for messing up uh, <laughs> pronunciations on this show. So Thank yeah, you. yeah, lots of lots of opportunities, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's so many. Yeah. I, I would like to hear from other people, and and there and I don't think we actually included a lot of the um, name the the titles that the New York Times they they did a poll, and uh, and I'll put that link in the notes too. So yeah, uh, there's just a wealth of cinema out there, you know, from all cultures, and uh, you know we we have something from black cinema, we have Mexican cinema this this month or in December. So let's keep it going. Um, and more, more female cinema, more queer cinema. You know, let's. And I don't think I don't see this checking boxes, but just expanding our horizons of of what's um, what's part of the collection. So, all right. Well, it's tough to switch gears from that, and we just have a little bit of time left. Um, really quick, I, I just want to touch on what's come out recently and what's about to come out. And as you mentioned, it's uh, we're we're in the midst of a really. High quality year, and we have another box set here in the um, in the next uh, couple weeks. But uh, so recently, we have Beau Travail, uh The Naked City, and Brute Force, and then uh, Renoir's Tony. And then come, coming soon, we have uh, Christ Stopped in in a Bully. Uh, we have the WC three WC three P. I want to say C three P O every time. The World Cinema <laughs> Project three. And then, of course, David Lynch, who is probably the widest person in the collection, um, doing the Elephant Man. No, no offense to David Lynch; just he's very white. Um, but I love him. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, Brad, any opinion on the on the current slate? Anything um, on your horizon? Bochavai is amazing. I love Bochavai. It's super sexy. It's also very cerebral, and it's a lot of fun. Um, it's it's way out there. So. Uh, get Botrevi. Um, uh, the Naked City and Brute Force are um, Brute Force, especially, is a really good film. Naked City is okay, but mm-hmm. Brute, Force, Brute Force is really great. Uh, um, Descent and a really great Lancaster performance in the center of it. Um, I, uh, and the only other one I've seen is The Elephant Man, um, which is uh, a wonderful David Lynch film. Um, I, I'm sure everyone listening to this have already seen it, so they know it's great. Watch it again, and, I, and we will. <laughs> All of us will. Uh, what about you, Josh? Yeah, I just got my copies of Botrevi and Christ Stopped at uh, Eboli uh, yesterday. Actually, they came in the mail yesterday, Ooh. so very uh, excited for those. I've never seen Botrevi, and I've been enjoying my journey through uh, Claire Denis' filmography. So that's been really cool. Uh, I'm excited to revisit Elephant Man. I watched it just recently. Uh, my wife and I have been watching David Lynch's Daily Weather Report. Uh, that has been kind of one of our balms in the midst of the pandemic. It's been beautiful on uh, on YouTube. And I've been uh, re- working my way through uh, a set of books by Martha Notchimson on David Lynch's cinema and uh her insights into his themes and his ideas are really really incredible oh, he's, and yeah. uh, and so he's the best. You know, her yeah and, and and her her work her look at his his cin- uh, filmography is really helpful so i'm i'm really eager to kind of dive into 
kind of the entire breadth of his filmography again, uh, kind of looking at her insights and mm-hmm. her analysis as a lens. And so Elephant Man will be a great uh, a great place to to dive in as well. Uh, but all of these are exciting. So I you know I've got my pre-orders. I've just that's one of the things that I've decided to do since theaters are closed in my area and oh, since yeah. I won't be going back to theaters for, you know, till sometime next year, at the end of next year. So I have pre-ordered everything that Criterion is releasing right now. And um, so WCP3 and Elephant Man will be coming at the end of the month. Yeah, a lot of diversity here too. Yeah. And uh, I'll also share, since Brad said it's sexy, uh, Bo Trevi, my wife wants to watch it. And I think it's probably for the same because it's sexy. Denise's great though. I, I can't wait for more Denise. And I think Your wife has good taste. Well, she, we don't know yet, so she might hate it. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, it's, I, we're recording this on September 20th. It'll probably come out, I don't know, a week or so. Hopefully not that long. But um, but I don't know if we'll do a show before the next Flash sale, because generally they're in October. So I don't know. Is, are you think there's any possibility of that? Well, I think we I think it's almost a given. But yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to happen. Maybe just that's an FYI. Keep an eye out. We'll um, of course look at our social media. You'll if you're on Criterion social media, you'll hear from them. Although sometimes we get a little early heads up. Just saying. So. And uh-huh. for Canadian listeners, uh, usually unobstructed view uh, has a sale that coincides with the uh, flash sale. Yeah. Oh, that, good to good to know um, because it's so expensive to um, to ship stuff from the U.S., which makes no sense because we're right here. <laughs> We're just down the street. Um, all right. Agreed. Well, we have our segment, Short Takes, where we talk about films we've seen lately, and then we have Piece of Flair. And so uh, let's, yeah, I'm not doing too badly. Um, Josh, what's your uh, short take, uh, Criterion film that you've seen lately? Yeah, you know, in the midst of the all of the, the chaos of the world, my wife and I have been watching a lot of the classic comedies and kind of lighter fare, and we decided we wanted something that was maybe a little meatier, but still not traumatic, right? And so <laughs> we watched uh, Babette's Feast, and it's one that I had seen before, but uh, it's one that my wife hadn't seen, uh, and we were looking for something that uh, really celebrated connection and celebrated um just the the ways that we can connect with each other and i have to say that this film was exactly what we needed at this time you know we're we're in seattle and you know kind of off mic we've talked a little bit the three of us about you know this last week has uh seattle has been besieged by you know smoke that uh, from the wildfires in the area that uh, it, while it's not as bad as some areas we were the second our, our city had the second worst air quality in the world uh, compared only to Portland um, so and there are some smaller uh, cities in the area uh, especially in Oregon and uh, down in California that are worse uh, but you know, we've we've had some really really toxic air quality. We've been trapped inside even more so, 
uh, we had planned a vacation, uh, a staycation, and we had planned it around the pandemic, so we knew we weren't going to be going anywhere. We were going to be staying in. Uh, but a film like Babette's Feast, um, in the midst of all of the the turmoil that's going on, just reminded us about the... Um, even in the midst of all of the, the the things that are going on, we can still find connection with others, um, whether it's through a meal, whether it's through a simple uh, gesture of kindness towards another person. Um, I know that uh, it's one of those films that maybe isn't uh, looked upon as, um, as quite the artistic achievement that some of the other films in the collection are, but this is such a just rich and uh, beautiful film that I just cannot recommend highly enough uh, for people to check out. Uh, I think especially at this time. Uh, it's just beautiful. And also Thanksgiving is uh, going to be here soon, so... Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I would say that those people who think is lesser artistic achievement are wrong because this exactly. is a great film. This is one of my all-time favorite films and it just fills my heart and with joy. It's one of the greatest films about spirituality and yeah. faith ever along with being one of the greatest films about food ever. Yeah. Uh, so I, I double down on this recommendation. I love this movie. Yeah. I We both we both were in tears uh, by the end of it. Just, you know, I'd seen it before but it had been years and it just was beautiful. And the disc itself is fantastic. It comes paired with the short story that the film is based on. It's got some great uh, some great documentaries on the filmmaker, but also on the the writer. Uh, so this is this is a great release for people yeah. to check out. Yeah, I'm, I, I think I will over Thanksgiving. So thanks for prompting yeah. the thought. Uh, yeah, Brad, what do you have? Um, well, recently uh, we lost the great Trek filmmaker uh, uh, Jerry Menzel, um, who directed. Uh, an early Criterion release into the collection uh, Closely Watched Trains. Um, now, his film won the Academy Award that year for Best Foreign Film, um, and Jerry Menzel uh, is sort of like a, a big poster boy for the Czechoslovak uh, New Wave. He was in um, Herat's, uh, Her sorry, Hertz film, uh, The Cremator, just briefly. That's he right. was also the main, main character uh, the main uh, actor in his film, um, Ferret Vampire. Um, so he's a pretty prominent figure in the Czechoslovak uh, New Wave. And in the spirit of that, I wanted to recommend uh, Closely Watched Trains, which mm. is, is sadly due for a Blu-ray release. Um, and it is one of uh, my favorites, uh, definitely one of my most recent favorites. I think it has the most perfect climax I've seen in movies. Um, it is just, I can't spoil it because it's just fantastic. But mm -hmm. it is the story of, um, you know, a, a coming of age tale of a teenage boy working at a small um, train station in uh, Nazi occupied um, Czechoslovakia. Um, and it's great. And it's great. Everybody should watch it. Yeah. And, and by the way, you, you, it is on Criterion, just not on Blue. Um, and I believe Capricious Summer, and I think he's involved with Pearls of the Deep, which were, were on the Eclipse. So yeah, yeah. Rest in peace, um, if, if that's okay to say. I don't know anymore, but um, but yeah, Jerry, Jerry Menzel is a, a titan. It was brought up that there's really no more of the the major directors uh, from that that scene alive anymore. I think there's a couple of the, the more obscure 
directors. I mean, there were a lot of films made during that time, but uh, that's, uh, that's pretty, pretty sad. And to continue the sadness um, is, I, so I'm totally cheating on my short take. <laughs> so rather than one film, I'm doing one release, which has a bunch of films. So I, I finished the complete Agnes Varda. And um, yeah, uh, you, it's, it's one thing to, and, and I binge watched it. So I, I was having a conversation the other day about, uh, I think they, they noted that I watched it pretty fast. Um, whereas it, it's taken me um, about two years to watch uh, the Bergman set. And I, I love Bergman. I think he's uh, one of the best filmmakers of all time. But he's not, uh, he's not really binge watch material. Um, complete uh, well, Agnes Varda I think I'd seen the tougher films or the, the ones that you have to unpack a little bit more like Cleo uh, Le Bonheur uh, Vagabond maybe a couple others so I, I think a lot of her other work especially her documentaries and uh, and then her, um, her kind of like, well I guess her self-reflexive or well I guess those are documentaries too but uh, a lot of the later work Gleaners and I you know it's the way I put it is they're they're easy for weekday viewing as they are weekend viewing i mean they're just really easy pleasant to watch mm-hmm. and as and it actually i think the um the experience of going through her library pretty quickly while all these movies are fresh in your memory is you really get more of a sense of who she is and um and you know as much as the films tell us but uh but especially her her last 20 years or so of filmmaking which are a lot more personal you know the beaches of agnes is Gorgeous. I, that's I gave that a perfect score. I think that's uh, probably my favorite film of hers. Um, and just super creative, super reflective, but it's also the culmination of everything she's done and it, all the beautiful work. So without Vagabond, there would be no Beaches of Ag- Agnes, and without her capturing all these great life experiences on film, there would not be this these great masterpieces towards the end, including uh, last year's um, uh, Barda by Agnes. So. Yeah, if you haven't dug into the set yet, I, I recommend getting it. I, I think this is, on, you know, on my short list. Actually, no, this is on my this is top of my list uh, for best of the year. I, I can't see anything top of this. Um, and it's, it's sad that we lost her, but she left a, quite a legacy, and I'm glad she mm. got to make her like put her final stamp on her filmmaking last year. So, so yeah, that's uh, that's that's the show. Uh, that's the Criterion portion. So, um. Let's uh, dig into pieces of flair and close us out. What do you, what do you have, uh, Josh? Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, the fact that something that I really love about the 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 way films are being released right now is that films that might only play in my area for a week at a really obscure, difficult to reach art house theater are getting kind of day and date releases on uh, video on demand right now uh i really like that and i was able to see michael uh almereda's uh, tesla this week or not this week but uh just a couple weeks ago and uh it stars ethan hawk and kyle mclaughlin as tesla and uh 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 my mind is blank for a moment uh stars uh, uh, edison Edison, yeah, as okay. uh, Tesla and Edison, uh, respectively, and uh, it is this fantastic and incredibly anachronistic, but uh, just fascinating biopic that hits all the the details and gets all the details of Tesla's life, but does it in this way that 
breathes life into the biopic that uh, you know includes a narrator who narrates in period costume with a MacBook and a projector projecting slides onto the wall and uh, doing Google searches and fact checks of the scenes that we've just watched. And uh, we get uh, all these little details that, that get pulled out that we have a scene that might be uh, pumped up for dramatic effect. And then we have the narrator tell us that the scene didn't actually happen this way so that uh, we know what is real and what isn't real, and we get these dream sequences and Ethan Hawke uh, doing a karaoke number, and uh, it's this kind of bizarre dreamlike piece that is so meta, but also so in keeping of the the type of film it needs to be. Uh, there's rear projections of uh, period photographs that the actors act in front of. Uh, it's just this uh, incredible uh, work that is highly theatrical and yet uh, also uh, gets at uh, Tesla's uh, feeling of being kind of out of time. And uh, Kyle McLaughlin's uh, Edison is also so... Uh, he, he's so often portrayed as the villain in any piece that he's uh, yeah. represented in in this battle with Tesla and McLaughlin is able to imbue the character with so much uh, emotion and heart and uh, it avoids being just a straight uh, hero villain piece and uh, it's it's really a lovely lovely film that uh, uh, it's uh, it's not going to be for everyone but uh, I found it to be absolutely riveting from beginning to end. Well, I was going to skip super it. excited to see I it. I know, <laughs> me too. I think it's, it's for rental. It's one of those VOD ones, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a rental one. Uh, you, you know, you can get it on Apple for like seven bucks. And... Okay. Yeah, well, oh, I'm nice. sold. I'll, I'll, I'll have for it. Well, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and Brad, I skipped you alphabetically. Sorry about that. So, um, No, that's what's, okay. What's yours? <laughs> Um, well, it's been hard for me to, uh, as I mentioned, it's hard for me to be watching new films. I just kind of feel out of sync with watching uh, new films. Um, and the ones that I have seen from this year, I haven't really liked so far. So <laughs> I have to go back to Color Out of Space to like find a film I, I, <laughs> from this year I liked. But um, So I thought, I'd, uh, since we have Josh here, I'd kick it to something on the Criterion channel. And um, I watched uh, Ganja and Hess. Um, by Bill Gunn, which is another um, African-American filmmaker uh, that I wanted to highlight. And there's three films of his on the channel right now. But this one, Ganjin Hess, is just incredible. Um, it is a vampire film, a take on uh, sort of uh, black exploitation vampire films. I think, you know, he was given a bunch of money and I'm sure they wanted him to make something like Blackula. And instead, he makes this film, which is... Uh, really weird and fascinating it's a uh, about an anthropologist a black anthropologist who is researching um his ancestry in africa and he is fairly wealthy and um when he runs across a a friend or uh someone he knows it's not quite sure what their relationship is um who stabs him with an ancient uh dagger from the civilization he is researching about it turns him into a creature of the undead um, to which he starts to prey on innocent people. 
Um, but then he meets uh, the the girlfriend or wife. I can't remember. Again, the relationships are kind of kind of vague in this film. Uh, of the of his friend, and the two of them have a an interesting relationship. Um, I love this film because it's just a, a tone piece. It's he's uninterested in. Uh, chewing like a plot right and he's way more interested in a feeling a mood um and using montage and music and uh super strong images that he's pitting against each other to say something about um about being black in america um versus uh african ancestry of um uh, Christianity also versus African spirituality and ancestry um, and he just just through montage and atmosphere alone this film managed to say and, and women also the difference between women and men through montage and in images alone this film manages to say uh, so much um, and it, it's just it's wildly entertaining it's beautiful I highly recommend everyone check it out I will wow <laughs> you're really selling me today um well, mine mine is uh, actually was also an unexpected gem, and it's also a new film, uh, and it's called The King of Staten Island, which is by uh, directed by Judd Apatow, who is you know has a pretty decent track record. I don't love his films, but I generally enjoy them. Um, just uh, I'll preface this by I can't really be objective about this film because it's uh, it's about uh, Pete Davidson. You might know him from. Saturday Night Live or that singer he dated um, and uh, and broke up from uh, was it Ariana Grande is that it yeah that was it uh, <laughs> what I didn't know about this I, I did, just didn't know him is that he had a uh, uh, his father passed in 9-11 as a firefighter and as it turns out I had a family member who's also a firefighter that passed in 9-11 and a couple others in the family so so, so yeah, that's why I can't objectively uh, look at this film, um, and I'm, it, you know, it, I'm a sucker for it. It's uh, it hit me, uh, but I, but I did think that it was first. I mean, Davidson was playing himself, and he's excellent. He he really is. Um, it's probably his maybe a career making performance because I don't know um, where his comedy career is going. But for me, um, especially the latter half was really. I, I thought they hit the notes just right. And um, mm. and so it's a, it's between comedy and and also and coming of age a little bit as well, and and also coming to terms with your past. So uh, so I, I found it quite powerful. I've heard actually mixed things. So again, it might just be me, but um, but it, it's another one of these VOD um, probably six ninety nine rentals, maybe maybe less than that now. But uh, I recommend recommend you watch it. So so that's it and. And I gotta go. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Josh, work or sorry, Brad, where can we find you online? Uh, so you can find me um, in the Facebook groups. I'm in a few of them now. Uh, so all your listeners are probably in them too. So you can give me a holler there. Um, you can find my reviews on Letterboxd at Mr. Brad McD. And um, you can also find me on Instagram at Mr. Brad McD as well, where I usually post um, stuff about my artwork. Um, so yeah, that's where you can find me. And we can rely on you to post an arrow, <laughs> arrow Friday usually. So I appreciate oh, yes, that. Absolutely, yeah, I love it. Yeah. What about you, Josh? Uh, you can find my show, uh, Criterion Channel Surfing, on Criterion Cast, uh, the same site as uh, Criterion Now, uh, or you can search uh, 
on uh, Instagram, on Instagram, <laughs> uh, Twitter, Facebook. You can search for Criterion Channel Surfing, and you'll find the podcast there. And then you can find me on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Letterboxd by searching for uh, Josh Hornbeck. Yeah, uh, same same here. Well, not not by searching for Josh Hornbeck. You will not find me that way. Well, maybe occasionally. <laughs> uh, Every once in a while. Yeah. Every now and then, yeah. But um, <laughs> but same same network. Uh, I've been making videos, so I, I already talked about Agnes Varda for um, thirty minutes on the video, and I have more to come. And and I I think it's becoming like a real supplement to the show and uh, a real channel. So um so I'm I'm gonna keep doing them. I have one on uh, Buster Keaton. Uh, this coming out, uh, or you know, coming out that I've yet to record, but I have plans to, and uh, another one on um, on uh, Billy Wilder and uh, and his history, and a little bit of classic Hollywood history. So um, it's, it's fun, you know. We have all these discs to kind of dig into something and find a topic and and talk about it for a little bit and have a little have some visual cues. So uh, you you can find me there, and um, I'll put the uh, Varda uh, YouTube in the show notes. So if you want to click on that and then just click on the channel, it's just Aaron West. It's just my my YouTube account. I just pressed create a channel, and so there it went. So, nothing fancy, but thanks, gentlemen. Um, great show. Great having you guys. Uh, really thoughtful. Um, uh, uh, I guess <laughs> really thoughtful um, takes on all these topics. So, have a great uh, thanks for having evening. Us. Thanks. This was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Take care. Absolutely. <laughs>